Welcome in and thanks for listening. This is WTOP News reporter Nick Ainelli. Today joined by John Loreggi, managing partner with Verizon Solutions, and also Andrew Fusco, a Verizon Frontline Crisis Response Manager. We're going to be talking with both of these gentlemen about preparedness, making sure that Verizon is ready, first responders are depending on Verizon, and that's what this is all about. So let's start with John Loreggi, managing partner with Verizon Solutions. Explain what you do. So we're part of the Verizon Business Group. I am on the federal side of the business, and my responsibilities are my my team's responsibilities is to ensure that the federal agencies that we support um, are receiving the the critical communications that they need. And blue sky preparation is a big part of what you do. Please explain exactly what that is. So blue blue sky preparation is extremely important. Um, I do have a background in the military and. of the time, that's blue sky. You are not in combat. You are not doing that job. You do not have your gun ready to go. You're training, and it's the most important part of the job. So blue sky are all the things that we do before something happens. So it's all the training that's involved. It's all the knowing of who your contacts are. It's utilizing the tools that you have, ensuring that it's in good condition, It's about using the communication tools that are available and knowing a primary, secondary, and tertiary way of using it so that when something happens or something goes wrong, you can can utilize different, uh, different solutions to be able to do your mission. So another key component of Blue Sky Days is is understanding each other's capabilities and requirements. Uh, And it's both sides. Uh, The customer, you know, let's say the DOJ needs to understand what we can do for them, how we can assist them, and, and how to get in contact with us. But we also need to be able to, to speak with them and, un, and understand what their requirements and needs are so that we can proactively provide them with those solutions. If we know that a hurricane is coming, we, will, we, will, we can pre, pre-position um, our assets. If we know that something is happening in, you know, let's say with the DOJ, we can pre-position assets. We can get those people in place real time so that when something may or may not happen, we're ready, we're ready to assist them. And now we turn to Andrew Fosco of Verizon Frontline Crisis Response Manager. So, Andrew, how do federal law enforcement agencies prepare themselves for responses? So a lot of that falls back to uh, the operations of my team and my teammates and just being able to do, I would say, internal and external, um, you know, uses with our customers and then internally. I think there's a couple of things to look at there. You know, from a, an internal standpoint, we work with our, our sales teams, our network teams, and all of our support folks to make sure that uh, they're aware of our capabilities as well as how to, you know, engage in and, and trigger our teams from a response standpoint. Uh, and, and then there's the conversations with the agencies that we support, which is any public safety agency uh, during an all-hazard incident. And, and then from our side, from another internal component is all the prep work. I know John kind of touched on this, you know, with, with the hundreds of pieces of hardware and devices and tools that we have, we have to make sure they're up and ready uh, from a deployment standpoint and a, a use standpoint. So taking a look at software, firmware, taking a look at battery capability, health of the units that are out there and what we're going to be uh, supporting. That, that all comes into play on a daily basis. And you wanna have that done before the incident happens. Because the last thing you want is to have an incident where 
your uh, your scramble and get hardware that needs to do an update and you don't have the capacity to do the update in the field. And obviously, Andrew, these federal law enforcement agencies, they need to be prepared. They obviously run exercises. As you were saying, they need to be ready. They're not always going to have something to respond to, but they need to be ready and they have to be ready to work with state, local, and industry partners. So how do they go about getting ready for that and preparing? I would say from a, a communication standpoint, which is our focus, uh, you know, I, I've been involved in a, in a lot of those DOJ agencies sitting in and, and you know, talking about the hardware and, and the, the software that they're ready to deploy when they go out into the field. And, you know, they're sitting in their warehouse and in their garages and they're prepping their vehicles, they're prepping their go kits, they're prepping their communication kits, uh, just like we would. Uh, you know, they, they also add in, of course, you know, there's suppression and firearms capability that we don't bring to the table. But from a, a, uh, a communication standpoint, they're looking at uh, the different vendors, just like we're looking at different vendors to solve the problems for communications in the field. They're also looking at us as to how we effectively and efficiently uh, deploy those solutions, uh, even in bad environments. Uh, I've been on many, especially in the last couple months, where uh, you know an agency has said, "Hey, we have the same type of hardware, we have the same you know kit, if you would, but your team seems to come in and set it up, and it's it's up and running and it's functional, but we tinker with it for a while. How do we get it to a, a how do we get it to a point where we can use it right out of the box? You know, what's the best practices that are out there? So they're, they're asking the questions just like we're asking the questions of them of how we can support you. And there's nothing better than to be in that non uh, in that open environment and have the ability to have something fail and fix it in the field uh, and, and figure out the three or four different ways to get that component that you're working on to, to be functional. And, and I find that the agencies are so open to that, um, that partnership when they're in the field with us. And we're, we're both learning side by side on uh, how to make something happen. And John, you had something you wanted to add? As we look at how, let's say, the FBI trains, they're going to train at Quantico and they're going to do a lot of their trainings in an environment that that will suit them for their needs. But also they're going to continue to do additional training through exercises where they will bring Verizon to the table and say, let's do this exercise together and let's see how it works. And then in addition to that, we're also going to educate each other. And those are done in executive briefings where leadership comes together and we look at the holistic picture and say, how is it go? How how does it look today and how should it look in the future? So we're not only talking about today and this year, but we're talking about how the FBI is going to do their missions two, three, five years from now. John, can you explain why it's important for federal agencies to have those strong relationships with local departments, with local entities, especially when you talk about being prepared for a response? So in, in many cases, the the local the local agencies or the or the state agencies they're they're responsible for what's happening in their area. So the federal government or or these federal agencies come in to help support them. So it has to be a a, a team effort. 
It's going to be state, local, federal working together. It's going to be the Verizons of the world working together and all coming together to be able to complete that mission. We can't all, we, nobody can do it alone. And Andrew, you agree with that? That's us having our relationships with our local uh, response teams, as well as the federal response teams. Uh, um, the, the crisis response team and the sales team and the network team having relationships with your local EOCs or emergency operations centers. And, and when, you know, the incident happens, they know, like John said before, you know, it's all about getting the, the information out. They know who to call to, to, to bring the team together to build that, uh, that comms bubble in that incident. But from an exercise standpoint, it's all relationships and it's, it's all, you know, sitting in front of different customers, showing what we're capable of doing, showing some of that hardware that we have that we could bring to the table. And, and then, you know, asking, hey, when's your next exercise? When are you getting together and who are you getting together together with and uh, participating in that? And back to you, John. FEMA and DHS, they have a framework that that puts everybody together. We, they have working groups, we work as a team, and communications, all, all the communications um, companies are part of that. Without comms, you cannot do your mission. And so let's say a disaster, let's say a hurricane. If a hurricane comes, we are part of that critical communications. We're part of that group. And we get, we get priority on the network, we get priority to get into the area to help provide the services that we need. It's a, it's all, we all have to collaborate and work together as a team. And working as a team in this environment where you do have agencies and industry leaders working together, working as a team, that's really what it's all about. Whether you're responding to some sort of a disaster or an attack of some kind, there has to be that element of everybody's on the same team and everybody's prepared in the same way. So, so I'm going to simplify it for you. And I'll give you an example of the military. I'm a, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. And I needed to make sure that I knew that the guy behind me had my six. So we needed to understand that we all were working together on a common mission, whether I knew you and I saw you every single day or I saw you once a year, we had each other's back. So the communication is there. We are part of different groups and different teams. We come together um, during blue sky as well as gray sky days. So we're there when, they, when there's no need. So we, we continue to build that and those relationships um, happened over years. I've been doing this for over 25 years now in the military as a first responder and as well as working with the government at Verizon. So you get to know the people, you get to know how they work, and they want to work together with you because they know that you have, you know their mission and you work well with them. John, how does Verizon use these kinds of preparedness tactics and preparedness approaches to keep its network and personnel ready for whatever may come, whatever may come around the corner? So Verizon, Verizon trains every day. Verizon is ready every day. We have, similar to the federal government and the state and local agencies, we have a group of individuals, a global crisis response team. We work during the blue sky days and we train and, and we, we learn and we're ready for gray sky days. And so we're going to end dark sky day. So we're going to continue. We work exactly the same as any federal agency. We, we have this similar parameters that we have to be able to, to work with. And then we have, when we're going to work on, on a concern, we all come together. So Andrew, why don't you talk a little bit about what, how we get all those groups together? Back to you, Andrew. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, really important. And, uh, you know, we will activate what we call our Gem C 
uh, which is our global emergency management center. And, and that comprises all aspects of our business. So that's HR, it's real estate, it's legal, it's security, it's our network team, it's my team in the crisis response side, it's our teams that are responsible for some of the larger assets that are out there. Pretty much everybody comes together and gives a readout on a uh, you know a multi-time per day cadence if needed, depending on the incident that's out there. And, and we get to understand you know what the impact to that emergency was, to our team and to our network, how we're responding to that, how we're fixing network, how we're coming out to the community. Um, you know, my 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 crisis, my team that I'm on, the the frontline crisis response team, is very focused on reply or responding. Excuse me, responding directly to the public safety agencies. Um, excuse me, and providing the the connectivity for them. There's hundreds of folks, if not thousands of other team members that are out there that are running to fix the network, that are going and supporting local EOCs or emergency operation centers, um, that, that are you know, making sure that our stores are open and functional and not damaged in any way. So that emergency response uh, component is, is hundreds if not thousands of people deep within the organization. We actually even have, um, we're one of the first uh, uh, industrial hazmat operation teams it's called the Merit Team. So Verizon actually has a, a, a NFPA certified uh, hazmat team that can go in and A, clear an area or a response incident area that, that we may be going into, make sure it's relatively safe for us to go into, but also work in a haz hazardous condition environment, such as, say, a fire in a manhole. They're able to actually go in and fix and splice fiber uh, while it's uh, not, not in ideal conditions. Uh, they're, they're trained to do that. So our emergency management and emergency support uh, component is, is very wide ranging. Andrew, let's stick with you here. Let's talk about new technology that can help federal law enforcement agencies in particular prepare for whatever they may have to do in whatever situation may come. What are the new technologies out there that can further assist in enhancing this preparedness? Yeah, I, I think we all would lead with 5G and, and the capability that 5G brings to the theater from an incident response standpoint. Um, you know, what 5G is going to bring to the front lines and to, and to the users that are out there is that high speed, high throughput, low latency capability. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing to see additional resources, additional data components being added to different response teams and and law enforcement agencies and fire departments, you know, using more and more video, which is a high bandwidth uh, solution to get situational awareness and understanding of the incident. With 5G, it allows for that capability to uh, to stream that real time, not just real time, but high def real time. So really being able to see the 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 incident from from another angle. Um, you, you you look at UAS or drone capability. Uh, and robotic capability, being able to, to get eyes in the sky or thermal capability on a drone or a UAS and, and see an incident from, you know, 100 feet or 200 feet in the air is completely different. And it provides overwatch 
for the first responders. There's actually a, a whole uh, change in in in, uh, in naming where it, you know we're going to start hearing about drones as a first responder or DFR, and that's given the ability to have drone teams embedded with you know SWAT teams and medical teams and and paramedics and providing. Uh, providing that that different angle or that faster response by uh, by a UAS vehicle. Um, I, I think that's one of many, many different technology pieces. And one thing that I'm proud of on the crisis response team is that within our team, we actually have uh, built an innovation team. So we're at the cutting edge of finding some of these solutions that we could bring to market, such as the the mule that we just introduced uh, last week at IWCE, which is uh, an electric bike with compute capability uh, and, and satellite backhaul that you could bring into the depths of a wildfire and and build a communication uh, bubble for you know the first responders on 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 a cut line in a wildfire on a mountain. Um, our, our team, you know, put that together and built that. And we're, we're very proud of uh, a lot of the innovation that's coming from that. In 2023 is the year that we'll really start seeing the capabilities being implemented on 5G. Um, you know, agencies and consumers are starting to really truly migrate their hardware to 5G. Uh, and vendors are migrating their hardware to 5G. So you not only need that network, which we have the best network and we have the, the broadest network from a, a spectrum standpoint, uh, but you need the vendors and, and the hardware providers to, to provide the, the solutions such as the cradle points and, and the Samsungs and the uh, Apple devices to be able to utilize that. Uh, and, and we're starting to see that that percentage of utilization uh, of of the folks on the network having that 5G capability to take advantage of the network that is rolling out at real time uh, in 2023. How about you, John? What do you think when you think about technology? You know, when we think about Verizon, many people think about your cell phone, but it's just much, much more than that. Uh, you could provide push-to-talk services. So similar to the handheld radios, push-to-talk, we can give you connectivity from your radio to your cell phone as well. We can provide cellular capabilities, like Andrew said, with 4G and 5G. A lot of the network, we might have to use satellite in a disaster. We might even be able to use lower Earth orbit, LEO technology, to be able to provide communications in an area that has no communications available. So there, And then when you have the network, you can, you can have a whole bunch of fun because you can utilize drones. You can utilize new technology that wasn't available in the past and put it on that network and you're going to get that seamless video. You're going to be able to collaborate with hundreds of people. You can bring that information where you can, instead of putting somebody in a, in a situation where they might get shot or get hurt, put, um, put, put something in there where now you don't have to put that person in harm's way. So the technology is always changing. It's ever changing. And, and there's more and more use cases every single day. And let's talk specifically again about 5G. 5G is not necessarily new, but it is continuously being used for new things. So 5G has been around for a little bit now, um, but 
it's changing and it's ever changing. Um, the, the thing with 5G is not only are you, first of all, you need the network, you need the spectrum. So Verizon spent over $60 billion in C-band spectrum, not only in the spectrum in the auction, but also in, in getting the hardware together and getting ready. We still don't have all of that spectrum ready to use. At the end of this year, it will be available. It, and once that's truly available, then you're going to see more and more um, products and services that are going to be used. And also, it's going to be nationwide. It's going to be ubiquitous to our 4G network. So even though 5G has been around a few years, the products and the services are really just starting. It's at the forefront of, of, of coming together and, and creating the, these things that we've never seen before. There's so many things that are happening today. So private networks, being able to build your own 5G bubble is extremely important. That's something that we're really doing now and people are realizing how important it is. We're also looking at how do you, you know, how are you doing a network slice? So in the future, we're going to be able to give that agency a slice of our network so they can communicate on with nobody else on there or that critical communications will not will not be hindered by anybody else so with that with 5G the capabilities the speed the lower latency as well as the the vast amount of spectrum that we have it's going to give them that capability to be able to do their mission even better Okay, John Loreggi, Managing Partner with Verizon Solutions, thank you so much. And also thank you to Andrew Fusco, a Verizon Frontline Crisis Response Manager. This is WTOP News reporter Nick Ainelli. Thanks so much for listening.